Before we get into this episode, I'd just like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of which we're recording on. I'd like to acknowledge the elders, past, present, and emerging. Welcome back to another episode of Country Creatives. We're your hosts, Reese Hendy and Caleb Maxwell. That's me. I jumped, I got my cue. Perfect <laughs> timing. Great way to start an episode, which is an absolute ripper um, with our guest who is in town for Conflux, Toby Benador, who runs Just Another Agency. Yep. It's a great chat. We dive into lots of uh, emotional intelligence-based conversation as well as collaboration and all things artisticness. Yeah. That's a word. All right. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Caleb. Well, let's uh, not hold off any longer. Let's jump straight into it. All right. Welcome to our live podcast. You're here with your hosts, Reese Hendy and Caleb Maxwell. That's me. And we've got a guest with us, Toby Benador. Howdy. Hey, Toby, it's so good to have you here. We uh, were just in your session, uh, which was all about building connections and uh, relationships. And I've got some really great, great questions to dig into you for, for all of those who are listening who didn't get along because, let's be honest, Conflux is jam-packed with lots of really, really cool uh, sessions, speakers, it's impossible to see everything. There was a really good audience who turned out though. Like it was almost. Real. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did you find it presenting? You were first up for the day over at the Latrobe Art Institute. How was it? I kind of like being first up, to be honest. It just gets it out the way. I get to now enjoy the rest of the day and all the other prezos and talks and panel discussions and workshops because, as you said, it's just jam-packed full of fun stuff. Why don't we jump into some background yeah. about um, your role in the creative industries, what it is that you that just another agency does in a, you know, bit of a bit of an overview. That's like the loaded question. I get asked so often what I do and I can't really answer you. So like just another is basically a creative and event management agency. So we represent and showcase a bunch of Australian and international artists, but we also project manage other people's events. We come up with our own concepts and ideas and put those on. We sort of do a little bit of everything from fit outs to rebrands to murals to festival curation to anything creative that I can get my hands on. Mm, cool. And we're kind of breaking a rule at Country Creatives. We're talking oh, yeah. to a uh, non-country person. <laughs> well, Metro, well, you yeah. just happen to be in the country here, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <no. laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll allow it. To be semi-country? I mean, I would love to sort of live half Metro, half country. Yeah. Why dream. not? Mm. Why not? That's really cool. I'm obviously quite aware of just another agency because it's very similar to the kind of work I've started to do with Nacho Station and you're definitely a uh, someone that I've looked to and at and been like, oh, wow, this is amazing and, you know, yes, and, you know, copy the content off your website. <laughs> no, not Good quite. Good to know. I'll go and check that out later. <laughs> be like, there's a typo. <laughs> 
Yes. No, um, very inspiring. Um, what about your background before creating an agency that sort of does this public art and event uh, management? What's your, are you consider yourself a creative person or? Um, good question. I mean, I'm definitely, I don't consider myself an artist. Uh, a creative person, yeah, but I think that's only really come in the last couple of years. So, like, I'm originally from Perth. Uh, I moved here 16, 17 years ago now um, as an apprentice electrician. So it was like my third year apprentice electrician, started that and then ended up opening a gallery. And I don't know, I never finished my apprenticeship and like 15 years later I'm still in the creative industry. Okay, okay, just pause there. (laughs) Uh, Electrician (laughs) and then you just opened... Uh, a gallery. Uh, there's more to that story. There is definitely more to that story. Uh, I opened the gallery at the time with my partner, uh, who was my partner, um, who was definitely creative. Right, right, right. Uh, and so it was an outlet for them, yeah. but they also had been diagnosed with MS. And so uh, I ended up doing a bunch of stuff sort of in there. And then I worked full-time nights to support the gallery full-time days and then we opened an advertising and distribution business called grab my package um <laughs> clever which Very was creative. it was kind of like a takeoff of the don't panic packs uh, yeah. um and then we opened another gallery in fitzroy called unpretentiously underground uh and so it was just like between 696 which was our gallery and then the other gallery and then the advertising distribution business it sort of just didn't end and i was like well I already work full-time nights. Like there's no way I'm doing my apprenticeship as well. And so I just sort of jumped into the businesses and then I closed all three to open the agency. <laughs> wow. Wow. What a journey, hey? And have you ever have you ever stopped or, or, or through that process, did you ever stop and go, what am I doing? Uh, weekly to <laughs> this day. <laughs> That's great. Like I love what I do and I feel very grateful to be in the creative industry and to have work and – you know, get to live my life following passion. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, it's tough. Mm. Like it's really tough in the creative industry and it's tough running your own business and, you know, irregular income and, you know, constant projects and, like, there is no such thing as a regular work day for me or regular work hours. So, like, it makes it fun for partners and (laughs) friends and family supporting you when you're slowly losing your mind. (laughs) Mm, yeah, well, I can really relate. So that's what I've got yeah. to look forward to. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, cool. Well, that, that's a look into your background that maybe not that many people know about from a, you know, having known you as the just another agency person. Hey, um, the name just another, is that like it's obviously it's kind of fun and takes a piss out of agencies in general, I guess. But is there a story behind the name just another? So uh – when I moved to Melbourne, we started the gallery. Uh, we were trying to come up with names for the gallery. And my partner at the time wanted to call it 696 because we were based at 696 Sydney Road. And I couldn't get 696 as a, like, registered name. And so I like after going back and forth and trying to come up with all these variations, I was just like, why don't we just call it just another gallery? And she was like, no, we can't do that. And so I ended up calling it 600 as one word and 96 as one word. And that was the registered name, 696, but only as two words. <laughs> um, and so when I, I closed the gallery three years later, I was just like, okay, like we, we started the agency together and I was like, 
like I just I didn't want to call it like our names or anything like that. And I was like, why don't we just call it just another agency? And she was all for it at that time. And I was like, great. And it allowed us to sort of really carry the brand through. So it's like just another agency, just another project space when we opened galleries um, because I don't want a white wall sort of stagnant gallery. I want something that's completely transformed, just another artist, just another event, just another exhibition. So it really allowed us to sort of play with our branding and carry it through. (coughs) Mm, yeah, cool. I do like how it's adaptable. I also like when um, the name behind businesses are kind of random and not that <laughs> yeah. meaningful. I can relate to that too. <laughs> you can relate to that? <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, one thing I'm really intrigued about is that you've built an agency that has, as you mentioned at the start, fingers in a lot of different areas, lots of different pies, and it's hard, it becomes hard to describe what it is you do what was that process of like of building uh kind of a portfolio of work in different areas and different types of work did you ever get uh did did it build on itself or was it fairly organic or did you specifically go and target certain clients or projects that you were like yeah i want to do a mural or i want to do a event or you know how did your portfolio build um I mean, it did definitely happen very organically. Uh, Because we had run the gallery for three years, we'd already met so many artists, which is partly why we started a gallery. Because, you know, moving here and you're trying to make friends and every second person we met was an artist and they were all looking for a space, but no one could get a space because you wanted, like, you know, galleries wanted you to be able to already have showcased your work somewhere else. And it's like, well, how do you have an exhibition if you already need to have an exhibition to have an exhibition? Classic. So we created a free space. It was a free space, really low commission. Um, It was really just about supporting creatives. Uh, So when we started the agency, we'd already knew a lot of artists. And so it was really just like an evolution of the gallery space at the time. Uh, And then yeah, we sort of started getting contacted by different clients. So initially we did the semi-permanent after parties. Uh, Then we got contacted by NGV to uh, bring a live element to one of their exhibitions board. Uh, We then worked with Eddie Zamet to create the Tease exhibition. So we really started off uh, doing a lot of exhibitions and then murals. And then very slowly as I started to pitch other projects and things that I was interested in doing, yeah, the agency sort of started to grow. And then like I would have, you know, mates or clients hit me up being like, oh, we want to do a fit out, you know, will you do that? Or like, you know, that one of the first fit outs I did was for my queer barbershop and they were awesome. And I was constantly getting my hair cut in there looking at the walls going, oh, you need to move this. <laughs> and so like them asking us to do their rebrand and fit out was just like a dream come true. Cause now every yes. time I got my hair cut, I was just like, oh, this is so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's grown really organically. And I love the, the agency at the moment from what I've heard from your presentation and research it really does seem like a, a, an extension of you in a way. How, how, how do you manage that uh, as, a, as a, um, a reality or an opinion of, that people could, ha- people could have? It's a very accurate opinion. <laughs> uh, just Another is very much an extension of me uh, and my neurodivergent brain. So, you know, that's, I guess, why it's as diverse as it is, is 
for someone like me, I don't want to be doing the same thing over and over again. I get bored very quickly. Uh, I'm hyperactive and very loud. And I guess when I'm passionate about something, I'm just, you know, 100% all in full steam ahead. So I really want to do things that I'm passionate about and that I believe in as that way I get to sort of bring my personality and the fun to a project as well. Mm, that's interesting. I've sort of grappled with that uh, myself being like, well, I'd almost say we're looking at the comparison of what we do or what I try to do and what you've done, maybe. <laughs> it's me. Like, you do awesome stuff. Oh, thank you. We have some differences, but there's a lot of overlap. Um, I've always grappled with like, because we work with artists who are, they all have their own personality. It's kind of like a collective agency vibe. I've always found it hard to be like, oh, no, this shouldn't be about me. It should be about the the collective more so than the individual. So I kind of like, like that approach of like, no, well, if I'm the person that's the ringleader of this artistic circus, then it has to be about that person. Like you're kind of the – what's the, what's the, ter- the name of the person? Conductor. The no. conductor. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that I very much try and tailor projects to artists and the artist for me is always like – you know, when we're painting murals or curating festivals, it's always the artist that's the headliner. So my job is to support them 100% and their vision for what they're trying to execute. But my job is also to make it fun and accessible and safe for them to be able to do their job. Yeah, and that was actually a question I had. Why should artists be interested in working with, say, an agency or a project manager or, you know, an is queers have an artistic director maybe as well sometimes in in some projects potentially and I was I was keen to hear your thoughts on like why artists like what's the benefit to artists to working with someone like yourself I mean to be honest it really depends on the job artists are more than capable of completing most jobs without an agent or someone else to sort of help and oversee things But I think it also really depends on the artist. Like some artists know what their skills are. They know that they're really good at painting, you know, whatever it is that needs to be painted. But in terms of communication or organisation, they're not the best. So, you know, I'll have artists get me on board to run projects because they're like, I know that it's all going to be set up and it's going to be great and all I need to do is go in and execute, you know, whatever it is that's my part. I have other artists that will bring me in for large clients, mainly because a lot of artists struggle to get jobs with big clients if clients think it's just them. You know, they don't think that they're necessarily capable of doing it all, which is, to be totally honest, quite ridiculous. But I also understand that there's a level of security and safety in having an agency behind it. And so they look at it like, you know, the agency is obviously going to do all the communication and all the OH&S and, you know, all the fun bits uh, and then the artist gets to go in and you know just create which you know depending on the job is a perfect pairing Mm, yeah definitely so taking away that non-creative stuff and filling in the gaps of where maybe some of their weaknesses are you know it, it depends on the artist as well obviously I mean we can't all be good at everything you know what I mean so I think it's about creating a team around you that can execute whatever you know project or mural or whatever it is you're trying to produce in the best and most efficient way. Mm, yeah, cool. And maybe jumping, like putting the shoe on the other foot for the client, what do you think the cl- the benefits to a client to going through an agency as opposed to going direct to an artist? Do you think there's like a lot of benefits 
on that front? I think there's, you know, safety and security to a degree within that. Um, you know, artists obviously usually aren't just working on one project at a time either. And so when they're on site painting, you're not necessarily going to get a response from them. So having someone else there that, you know, you can contact and call and be like, well, you know, what's the status of this or we need to change this or whatever the case may be, knowing that it's constantly getting done is probably a bit of security. Mm. Yeah, that makes total sense. One one thing I'm intrigued about when you, you you know, you look at your website and you, you've got the, you know, I don't know what you call it, but the, the trusted by these brands kind of thing, the social – the logo, proof, the, know, logo the, the logo wall yeah, <laughs> section. <laughs> um, yours is quite impressive. You. Yeah, there's lots of big names there. Where in your journey did you kind of land some really big clients and big fish? And how? what are some lessons that you've learned from dealing with a bigger corporate organisation on an artistic project? I mean, great question. I don't really look at corporations or organisations as big. I just look at people as people if – I mean, I don't mean to offend anyone, but, like, I just think that we're all trying to do cool stuff and, mm. like, you know, let's work together. So I guess the agency has been really fortunate to have some incredible clients, but they've all sort of just come in. Like, a lot of it is word of mouth for me or, like, meeting people and being like, you're awesome, let's work together. Um, so everything is sort of created on this fun, passionate level and that allows me really to be myself in situations. And I think that that's also really important. Like passion mm. is important, you know, knowing that someone believes in what they're doing and who they're working with, you know, really is a bit of a game changer. Mm. That's uh, one thing that I've picked up from you over the, the past, what is it, two hours <laughs> of knowing you, um, is that you have a really good skill at being you and then treating everyone else as just a just a person, like you said, they're not. There's no uh, barrier there between you being able to interact with them because they're just a person. No matter, no matter if they work for Nike or they work for you know whoever, they have you know priorities. They got to get things done, but they're just people. One thing though, in terms of really digging in into someone's mentality and how you're able to help them. Do you research a, a person before you're getting in touch with them? Say you know, what's your process of, of getting in touch? Uh, no, there is there is no research. <laughs> uh, it's actually probably a really good point and maybe I should do a little bit more. I just, I'm very much of the mindset that everybody should be treated with respect, no matter who you are or where you're from, that it doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a company or you know, an emerging artist or just anyone. Like we all deserve to be treated the same way with respect. Uh, and so I think it's more about communication. Like the more you talk to someone, the more you find out about who they are, uh, you can usually get a pretty good sense of someone right off the bat. So I think it's just about, yeah, communicating and being open to, you know, whoever or whatever is in front of you. All right. That, yeah, I, I really like that. I guess I'm thinking of some challenges that might you might come across in like trying to take that approach. You know, you've say you've made inroads into a company, and you know there's a collaboration that's ready to ready to take off, and the person that you're dealing with is maybe not taking that same approach yeah. as you. Like, is there a way that you break that down, or you know, how do you approach the challenging scenarios when other people aren't really receptive or have that same attitude? 
I'm just myself. I'm like, <laughs> like I, I look at it and go, well, I can either change who I am to accommodate them or I can just be myself and continue to try and bring the best of myself and the agency and who we're working with to the table. So, I mean, I don't really have time for, you know, people to be assholes. Like, sorry <laughs> yeah. if I could say that. But I'm like, but, you know, we all come across, you know, people who are not always necessarily friendly or respectful, but I don't need to, like, lower myself or lessen who I am to then work with those people. So I feel like as long as I'm true to myself and I'm polite and respectful to everybody, then I guess that's the way that I carry myself. Uh, it may mean that I choose not to work for that person in the future. Yeah. But if I'm already involved in a project, it's about still getting the best out of that project and remaining true to myself. I love that. Uh, there's a fair amount of emotional intelligence going on over here, Toby. Why, yeah, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed. A couple of things that I took out of your presentation earlier, right, was the your focus on professionalism, authenticity, and a collaborative collaborative attitude. They're some really, really great points. But I wanted you to really dive into that pro- that idea of professionalism that you you speak about because that's not super common. <laughs> but the way you describe it is the, that this it, you, you're always you, right? But there's some things that you don't want and you don't need the client to see. Could you unpack that idea a little bit more? I mean, it's, it's I guess, slightly amusing for me that I, I go on about professionalism because I swear like a sailor, <laughs> um, which I'm trying really hard not to do right now. <laughs> You're doing um, a great job. <laughs> but thank you. I've only said asshole once. Twice. Oh, now twice. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think it's about smoke and mirrors. You know, at the end of the day, none of us actually know what's going on in someone else's life. I may be an anxious ball of mess, but no one else needs to see that. What they see and what they take is what I put forward. And when working on a project, I'm not just representing myself or the agency, I'm representing all of the artists we work with, all of the clients we have, we've had, and we will have in the future. So I guess I look at it and go, I need to showcase, you know, a certain level of professionalism. You know, that doesn't mean that you can't have fun, but I think there's a time and a place for everything. You know, we all like to, you know, let loose and be a little crazy from time to time, but, you know, it's about time and place. And I've definitely, like, gotten drunk with clients and, like, had a bunch of fun. But, again, there's there's a line, and I know what that line is for me. Mm. And so very much it's not just about who I am or who I want to put across. It's also about all the other people involved in the agency, you know, staff, everyone, because my actions reflect on them. Yeah. And that, that really reflects the other one of your key values being respect, right? It's in every interaction that you have, you're carrying with you a uh, acknowledgement and a respect of others and how your actions reflect on them, which is pretty cool. All right, cool. A little bit of a change of pace. I've got a um, different line of questioning. Bring it. Um, (laughs) And it's to do with um, regional versus metro. Oh, yeah, bring it on. Yeah. So I asked you before earlier on just to sort of uh, prime you for this question on how much you've worked regionally versus metro. And you you mentioned that it's definitely leans more towards metro 
in the projects that you've done. But I was keen to get your take on what the difference is working in regional areas versus working on in metro areas. So I might just leave it at that for now. Do you have any like key sort of ideas of what what the difference is in general? I mean, I obviously can only speak from my own personal like opinion and uh, experience. But for me, I think it's more so about the audience. In metro areas, you know, you're usually flooded with a fair amount of creativity, especially in Melbourne. You know, our laneways are full of art. There are galleries and creative spaces sort of everywhere. Um, And so people are very much, um, I guess, used to seeing a fair amount of diverse work. Whereas regionally, I feel like audiences either have one of two reactions. Either they're all for it and love it or they're very against it and they will make sure that you know it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can totally understand that. They are, Or they kind of love it but then they're like, oh, hey, look at the art that I do in my backyard. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the um, just the – in general, there's a lot more saturation of creative – practices and galleries and you know it's on display much more in the city so people are just more used to it i've heard someone say as well that because of that that people often just sort of work past and don't notice as much in the city like they're kind of um desensitized a little bit to some of the stuff that's happening around them i mean sure uh that's definitely the case especially like you know when you're walking through hosea lane for example that's constantly changing but then i think that's also on creatives to make themselves stand out more Mm. You know, create something that's different, create something that's diverse, you know, make people stop in their tracks and notice something. And, you know, you do. So, you know, even someone like Peter Drew and his uh, concept and project on uh, all Aussies are Aussie. real. We've yeah. got he, we've got quite a few uh, Peter Drew paste-ups all around Bendigo, which is quite cool. But they're, they're incredible. And the concept around the project is just so spot on. <laughs> but they're brown paper pay stops. So, you know, it's quite easy to walk past them. But when the project started, I think in back in like 2013 or something, like you noticed those pay stops. There was something different. They instantly stopped you. They caught your attention. And it was literally, it was a pay stop of a photograph of someone with the word Aussie under it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned what it actually is for our uh, non-visual listeners yeah. <laughs> in podcast format. So it's, uh, it's a project called, I think, um, all Aussies say welcome. And like there were a range of uh, paste ups that basically either said that or had, you know, pictures of people that were, you know, coming over to Australia who were viewed as they had something that could contribute to Australian economy. And, you know, they worked here and contributed for 70 odd years, but we're also quite a racist society. And so, you know, it was really interesting seeing the impact to that project and how people responded to a paste-up that said it Aussie. And you got a wide range of like and variety of responses. Yeah, that's interesting. I think the Bendigo slash country response would have been um, quite different to the uh, more multicultural <laughs> hubs. I have no of- doubt. <laughs> I have one burning question for you and it is as someone who it deals with a lot of artists, you will have dealt with hundreds, right? What tips can you give for an artist looking to, you know, further their career from uh, from 
insights from a, an agency owner, like what tips would you have to uh, to artists looking to maybe team up with someone like yourself or develop their work to a point where they're, you know, they're attractive to, to work with? I mean, this may sound like common sense, but I guess the first thing is don't hit someone up via social media saying, yo, what can you do for me? Um, <laughs> it's, it's not an instant like, oh, I would love to work with this person. Do you get um, that a bit? <laughs> I have definitely had it. Um, social media, it, like it's an instant way of contacting someone, right, and seeing that they have seen your message. But, again, it's about putting yourself forward. It's about being professional and fun because not only do I want to know that the work you produce is incredible, I want to know that you're going to be easy to get along with, that you're going to be fun to work with um, because, you know, work should not be a chore or exhausting. Being humble and genuine is also huge. There is nothing worse than, I guess, seeing an artist whose work you really, like, admire and respect and then meeting them and they're a douchebag. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, because it does. It takes away from the artwork a little bit. Mm. You know, it's someone that you're really looking forward to meeting and you're like, I've watched this person grow in their career over, you know, however many years and I can't wait to meet them. And then you meet them and you're like, oh, that's underwhelming. Like be humble and genuine. Like some of the best artists I know, the most established artists I know are still like humble, genuine, honest people, Yeah. which goes back to, you know, we're all just people at the end of the day, treat everyone with respect. Yeah, great advice. Mm. And um, in terms of presenting their work to you or to others, is it just social media these days or is there like what other methods help cut through, do you think, in getting noticed or, um, you know, if, the, if someone's sending you something, what's the best format for you to keep on file or to reference back to? Look, you roughly have like when you send somebody a link, you have like 30 seconds to grab someone's attention. So like I will open all emails click on whatever link you've sent me and then I just scroll as quickly as I can just to see. And if something like grabs my attention, I stop at it and I look at it and then I just keep scrolling. You've got about 30 seconds. So if what you're putting forward and the link that you're sending through doesn't showcase your best work, that's your opportunity. So there are definitely a lot of people that submit, you know, proposals for, to me or decks where they sort of outline and showcase their work and the variety and uh, of the work they produce but then also sending an email with your personality and like standing out, being that point of difference. When you get, I don't know, I get close to 20 or 25 emails a week from artists sort of asking to be represented. So you really need to be that point of difference and stand out where I can see one, that you've got personality, two, and I mean, that doesn't have to always be loud and outrageous, right? Um, people come in many different forms and I'm open to many different emails. But it's about being that point of difference, standing out, you know, showcasing who you are um, and then showing me the work that you do and that you want to be doing in 30 seconds. Yeah, no no small task to some, but you, you get better at it, don't you? And and it's what, what I'm picking up from what you're saying is that just don't be afraid to be yourself. No, and, and don't give up either. Just because yeah. you don't hear back from someone or they say no at this point, doesn't mean you shouldn't hit them back up when, you know, you think you've progressed or grown or you are doing something different. Yeah. Keep in touch. Love it. Hey, I want to talk a little bit about Conflux because that's where we are right now. Yeah. What what made you respond positively to the request to come and speak at, at, at Conflux? 
um, being, you know, the uh, a, a Melbourneian currently, are you living in Melbourne at yep. the moment? You get get this request, and and what what's going through your mind, and what brought you here? Race had a re- <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, done. Toby Reese. had a really good referral uh, through the, the Emporium. Actually, it's funny; it's a, a whole conversation itself potentially because um, they were the the team at um, Emporium Creative Hub were asking me like, "Oh, we've got these people in mind," and they were asking about activations and we've, I've got an activation happening at the front on the steps of the Capitol and they were kind of um, bouncing a few ideas and they're like, look, because you're the local in this street art mural scene, public art scene, like what do you think about these different people? And um, the people that they'd put, I won't say any names, but some of, the, nice. some of the names that they'd put forward, I was like, oh, <laughs> that's like inviting the wolf into the uh, – that's inviting the wolf into the – Oh my god! Sheep pen into the hen, hen house. house. That's the one. Yeah. So I was like, oh, uh, you know, maybe this person. I don't want to invite the wolf into the hen house, but <laughs> hey, I've got this other person who's much Yay. more open to collaboration <laughs> and would be, you know, has a lot to offer and has a really good um, view on the creative industries and could offer something. And I'm like, and I would be way more comfortable introducing this person to my little Thanks, pen. Reese. So yeah, that's one. That's Your own um, hen house. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I met Reese through another creative. Um, so the photographer Pixels, they were coming down to take a bunch of photos of murals and bits and pieces in Bendigo and asked me if I wanted to go for a drive. And I was like, sure, let's go. And I'd been stalking Nacho Station online for a while anyway, being like, who are oh, these people? Don't make me blush. <laughs> what are they doing? They're doing all these awesome things regionally. <laughs> um, so I guess like the opportunity to meet Reese, I was just like, oh yeah, cool. Like I'm down. And Reese was just like a dude. Like, <laughs> you were super easy to talk to and really fun and really passionate. And I felt like you and I very much had the same like ethos when it came to collaboration and working with people because it is, it's, it's scary opening up what you do to others and hoping like hell, they don't just sweep the rug out from under your feet. Right. Mm. Because there are a lot of people that will do that. Um, so when I got this intro email from Reese to Amy, who's one of the organisers, I was just like, okay, yeah, okay, I'm already sold because it had come from Reese. <laughs> but then I had a chat with Amy and, like, Amy was just awesome and, like... Shout out to our awesome producer, Amy. Awesome. <laughs> Isn't this where you have, like, one of your clapping buttons? And yes, hold on, hold on. Press yeah. the button. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um... So, yeah, when Amy sort of, you know, had a chat, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, what I'm about and, you know, talking about, you know, different topics of what I could discuss. I was like, oh, yeah, this is very much aligned with, like, who I am and what I believe in. And I was like, for sure, I'd love to be here and have a chat and, yeah, spread the love. So you're here now. What what are you hoping that people take out of your uh, couple of um, sessions over today and tomorrow? What, what are you hoping to impart? I guess like what anyone really wants to impart, which is that people get something from, you know, what I'm saying. There's nothing worse than like coming here and just listening to someone waffle on about a whole heap of nonsense. <laughs> like, I don't know, I guess I, I really think about creatives and what I would want to hear from, I guess, someone in my position mm. um, and how I could improve and sort of benefit myself within the industry. So ideally that. <laughs> something that you're speaking about tomorrow is is a, something that's 
close to both Reese and my heart. Tell us a little bit, give us a little bit of a preview about what you're going to be uh, presenting. Radical collaboration. Um, so really, I guess the talk uh, is about, look, I talk about tall poppy syndrome a lot and about believing in yourself because I think that is like a huge part of collaborating is it's not looking at what others do and competing. It's about stepping back and being like, I'm actually good at what I do in my own right and I don't have to compare myself to everybody else and be like, what they're doing is like so amazing and why am I not getting this? Because the thing is, when you stop and think about it, they're thinking the same thing about you. Like they're watching your projects and being like, oh, they've got this awesome project. Like how did they get that? So I just, I just stopped. I just tried to stop competing because all it did was make me really anxious and feel like I wasn't good enough. I guess the more I sort of stopped thinking about others and what others were doing and sort of started going, oh, that's actually awesome, like good for them. Like the happier I was in my job and my life and the more, I guess, I was open to working with other people rather than being like, no, this is mine. Yeah. They'll take it away from me. It's yep. like, no, nah, let's just share it. And, you know, the more the merry. I also think that, you know, if we all collaborated, there'd be more work for all of us. Yep. And work would be more fun yep. rather than everyone trying to compete for the exact same job. Like, there's no fun in that. No. That's a limitless mentality, not a, yeah, uh, yeah and a powerless mentality. I love it. Really good. Cheers. Super cool. Well, thanks so much for coming and uh, having to chat to us, Toby. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to jump into your uh, your session tomorrow and hear more about radical collaboration. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you very much for joining us, Toby, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your stay in Bendigo. Until next time. Thank you so much. Have a good one. There you have it, Toby Benador, the amazing human behind Just Another Agency that Caleb and Reese spoke to during Conflux Bendigo that happened on the 9th and 10th of September 2022. If you want to find out more about Toby and their amazing work, then you need to visit emporiumcreativehub.com.au slash podcast and you'll find all of the links there. You'll also find all of our previous episodes if you want to catch up on anything you might have missed. We have a new episode every two weeks on Country Creatives, so we do encourage you to subscribe via your favourite podcasting platform and make sure you're first in line when the new episode hits. So until then, we want you to stay safe and happy, but we especially hope that you're creative and collaborative as well. And we'll see you soon.